We started the business over five years ago now. We launched following seven-day startup method and we've since grown. It probably took us about six months to the point that we had enough revenue to hire a couple of contractors. Our goal always was that we would systemize the business and not be doing the bookkeeping and the accounting work ourselves. And over time, we added more systems, added more team members, and always have had that remote work ethos where it hasn't mattered where someone's based. It's more about finding the best team members and and the right cultural fit for the Bean Ninjas team. Now we're a team of over 15 people and living in many different countries around the world. You're listening to the Remote Work Productivity and Lifestyle Podcast, the show to hear tips and tricks about staying productive and having an awesome lifestyle as a remote worker. Proudly presented by Remote Compass and worldpodcasts.com. Now let's welcome your host, Alan Kaig. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another edition of the show. This is your host, Alan chatting today with Meryl Johnston of Bean Ninjas. Thanks very much, Meryl, for being with us today. And uh, can you share a little bit about your story? Sure. Hey, Alan, great to be here. I run a business called Bean Ninjas, which is a bookkeeping, financial reporting and education business. We help digital agencies and e-commerce businesses, specifically their founders, to get clear about their finances, understand the key drivers in their business, the business metrics, and make good decisions based on data. We started the business a bit over five years ago now. And mm. I, at the time, I was working with a co-founder called Ben. We launched following seven-day startup method, which was really about launching quickly and trying to get the first couple of customers within seven days so that then we could learn and iterate. So that was, I suppose, our origin story. And we've since grown and and now we're a team of over 15 people and living in many different countries around the world. Ooh. Tell us uh, more about your team set up, particularly when it comes to remote. Yeah, we actually were kind of forced into setting up as a remote team from the beginning. My co-founder, Ben, was living in Sydney and I lived on the Gold Coast and he flew up to the Gold Coast for the seven-day launch that I talked about and we did that in person. But then he returned home to his family back in Sydney while we continued to run the business. And that meant that we weren't sitting in an office together and so we needed to be working using cloud tools. The accounting software that we specialize in, Zero, that's in the cloud. But everything else that we did, whether it was communication internally, we were using Slack, we were communicating with clients, and we were also saving all of our files in Google Drive. And I think that early beginning as a remote team really made it easier for us as we gradually started to hire people and scale the team in that we already had the tech stack set up to work effectively as a remote team. So we went from Ben and I as the co-founders, and it probably took us about six months, I think, to to grow the business to the point that we had enough revenue to hire a couple of contractors, a couple of accountants who could help us with the bookkeeping work. And our goal always was that we would systemize the business 
and not be doing the bookkeeping and the accounting work ourselves. And, and over time, we added more systems, added more team members, and always have had that remote work ethos where it hasn't mattered where someone's based. It's more about finding the, the best team members and, and the right cultural fit for the Bean Ninjas team. Right. So uh, working with Ben kind of made this organic. I suppose that uh, when you kickstarted uh, the seven-day program with him, this was a pretty clear expectation. Yeah, we had talked about it. We, we did a little bit of pre-work before he committed to flying up to the Gold Coast. And as part of that, we talked through some of the legal things like putting in place a shareholder agreement, setting up some company bank accounts, just kind of stuff behind the scenes. And as right. part of that, we also discussed, well, we discussed a lot of things about what's the business going to look like? How are we going to do this together? And we agreed that we were living in different cities. And so we would have to find a way to make it work as a remote team. I see. Have you and or Ben always been comfortable with remote prior to kickstarting Bean Ninjas? Well, it's funny. We actually met in a location independent entrepreneurs community. We actually met Uh. in that. Uh, a <laughs> forum called Dynamite Circle, and we were two Australian accountants. We we're in the minority. There's not many accountants in that group. And we met in that community and both had a similar vision about wanting to build a business that was location independent, that wasn't tied to us working from right. a particular place and meeting with clients in person. And we both had the vision of the kind of business that we wanted to build that would enable us to live part of the year in France if we wanted to or in Bali. And that that was at the core of one of the goals that, w- that we had in starting the business. I see. So being part of that community, let alone meeting through that community, you were really warmed up in terms of the style of how you would run your business and what it kind of means to your lifestyle. Uh, there's not much convincing that needed to be done. Yeah, not at all. We, we knew it was something that we wanted to do, but I hadn't necessarily had experience at doing that. All of my accounting roles previously and my corporate life always were in person and using technology where we were working on computers using desktop programs. It was quite hard to do any kind of remote work. It, it was possible and it could be done on occasion, but it definitely wasn't part of the typical culture of regularly working remotely at any of the organizations I worked in previously. So there was a lot of learning I had to do, not just from a technology perspective, but also around things like, well, how do you build team culture when you're in a remote environment and you can't have Friday night drinks together in person, for example. Mm, I see. So the willingness was there, the shared values, they were there, but it was a sort of, um, a new kind of experience that you're not already used to. Exactly, yeah. Right. So I suppose that uh, this whole COVID situation, that didn't introduce so many changes to your uh, current organization? Yeah, it's interesting. We we were already working remotely, but it did impact us in other ways. We, we were mm. aware of team morale was, was lower as Life was more stressful. People were, were worried. We had team members that were impacted in terms of lockdowns and, and having to move to different locations and the stress of trying to work full time and homeschool children. So there were those kind of things. 
And the other other impact was that we actually do try and meet in person regularly. We we, mm. we believe in remote work, but we also believe in the value of in-person connection. And we actually had a team retreat planned in the Philippines. Our leadership team were planning to fly over. We were staying at a lovely resort, had activities and workshops planned. And that was scheduled for March of this year. We actually, Ooh. we actually had to delay the first one due to volcano, volcanoes <laughs> or a volcano, and yeah. So we've been unlucky, and that has had to be postponed, which is unfortunate because I think it is so important for our team to come together and meet in person, and then go back to working remotely. What sort of the cadence of this face-to-face summit? Well, this was actually going to be the first retreat that we'd run in the Philippines. We had run a leadership retreat in Australia where we flew out different team members in December last of last year, so 2019. And then prior to that, we hadn't done full team retreats, but we'd done mini retreats where we might have three or four people either attend a conference together or travel to a location to do some work and, and then have some fun as well. So I think as we as the business has grown and we've got more money to devote towards these things, the the meetups and in person retreats have gradually expanded. Right. So at this point, um, existing team members that have been around for like more than six months, one year now, they haven't all necessarily have met each other in person. Correct. They they haven't had that chance, and and yes, they're getting to know each other through Zoom calls and through Slack, but some of our team, yeah, they definitely, they might may have not actually met any of our team in person yet. Right, right. How about recruitment? How, How, what's the process like when it comes to, uh, yeah, Zoom calls? And uh, I reckon that kind of varies depending on their role. It, it does vary. And we do have a lot of applicants where we don't necessarily have a job opening, well, we have people replying, applying every week for roles at, at BU. Wow. So, so that's part of <laughs> what we look at is who do we have on file? So when they come in, we will assess whether they might be a good fit or not for a potential role opening. We recruit accountants the most often. I think we've been going through a recruiting cycle about every three months for the last year or so, hiring new accountants. And so we have more of a standardized process there where we have an application form on our website. We we know that we do two interviews. We do a, an on-the-job zero test, uh, and it's quite a defined process because we've hired. So we, we, we would have interviewed over 100 accountants over, over the years at Beanages, whereas for other roles where we're not as familiar with hiring, for example, marketing, then we have to do a little bit more figuring out along along the way and that process is less defined. I see. So when it comes to hiring accountants, hiring remotely, there's really not much of uh, friction and you wanting to meet up is more of a function of building rapport rather than sort of vetting someone's culture fit or or abilities to perform the job. Exactly. We've found other ways to assess cultural fit, commitment, motivation, willingness, or ability to meet deadlines. We've just found other ways to test for those kind of attributes that we can do online rather than in person. So the, the value of in person is more around building relationships and, and 
encouraging our team members to build long-term careers with us. Right. After all, you want to kind of replicate the real experience, which is remote. Uh, so that's something that you want to test online instead of checking your face-to-face report first and then finding out that they're not comfortable with communicating online or asynchronously or they would need to have FaceTime with you so often for them to perform. Exactly. It's a remote role and the ability to work independently and communicate via tools like Slack is it's actually an important part of the role. So it is helpful that our <laughs> recruitment process is similar to that or takes into account those behaviors. That's great. Let's shift gears. I wanted to ask you about client relationships, whether kickstarting them through sales and marketing or account management. What are some interesting experiences in here when it comes to fully I'm not sure if your client relationships are 100% remote or how much of that happens overseas versus if there's a representative who will meet up with them face-to-face. Can you tell us a bit about that? The, the client process of going through a discovery call, receiving a proposal, becoming a client, being onboarded, all of that is done remotely, but we use zoom videos so we we can see them they can see us to build rapport so we're not meeting in person there but similar to the way we value in-person relationships with our team we actually do meet many of our clients face to face and many of them have come through things like conferences or networking events and we stayed in touch over the years and while we may not be interacting face to face for anything specific to their bookkeeping from a relationship perspective, it's still really helpful to meet in person, but it's not critical. We, we definitely have clients that we've never met and it's possible to do business that way. So the way I think about it is we, we're trying to build our profile in particular niche industries like e-commerce and, and digital agencies. And our strategy is to go to events, go to conferences at, at those kind of, who have those kind of people, the founders that are running those businesses and build relationships there. So I'm not necessarily saying that every service business owner needs to be spending the whole time out at events building relationships. Right. It's it's more that we do value those those in-person relationships with our clients, but I think we could have still built the business without it, but it is something that we, we try and be intentional about creating those opportunities. For example, a conference we went to a couple of years ago, we would have had about 20 of our clients there. And so we hosted, we put on drinks and, and invited everyone to VIP drinks if, if they were a, a client and put on some food. So, so that's an example of, of how we tried to bring our, our clients together. Right. So meeting up face-to-face is a couple of things. Number one, it's a nice way to uh, network, get introduced. And number two, it's a nice way to build rapport. But when it comes to service delivery, it's not vital. Yes, exactly. Right. And how how might that have changed moving forward now as we're in the uh, pandemic season and in the foreseeable future, this might still be a thing. Is there any kind of shift in terms of your marketing and sales initiatives to generate leads in new methods now that face-to-face conferences aren't going to be as available? 
Yeah, we have had to change strategies. Conferences were a, a component of our marketing strategy and used to bring in leads every year. We've shifted our focus more to online marketing, particularly SEO. We're writing a lot of content about e-commerce accounting and how, how you know, problems with common mistakes with Amazon accounting, for example, or how to manage inventory. And we're doing the same thing with digital agencies. And so we're finding that more and more leads are finding us through Google, which is great. And so that's how we've diverted our marketing resources for now. But I'm hoping that we can, we'll continue to do that, but I'm hoping we can start to go to more conferences again in the future. I see. How about virtual summits? Is that kind of gaining traction? We have been speaking. We've spoken, me, but also other team members have spoken at quite a few virtual summits. I've not found that as effective. I did speak at an event, which I guess it was kind of, they it was a virtual summit, but they were trying to do it more like live streaming TV, digital marketing down under, which is the Australian, the down under means Australia. So it's like the digital marketer conference. And I did get some some inquiries from that, but typically the virtual summits have not been as effective. And I think the re- in terms of generating leads, that they're effective for community education. But I think the reason right. is it's not the content where you're building the, the relationships where people become yes. clients or partners. It's the hallway conversations. It's the coffee or the meal that you have with someone. And that's much harder to recreate in a virtual environment, I think. That's true. It's the lunch break. It's shaking hands. And you're not necessarily engaging the person beside you while you're listening to a keynote speaker. So yeah, the knowledge transfer, it's still happening. But building rapport with someone just because you're you're next to each other it's not quite the same as it's not the same experience where you're on perhaps a slack chat or a chat room of everyone uh, watching a live webinar yeah exactly nailed it i see pretty interesting stuff all righty meryl before um we wrap up i wanted to ask if um you have one tip that people do not appreciate enough, but you feel strongly about in relation to running a business online and remote work? The, the, to sum it up, it's done is better than perfect. And Ooh. to mm-hmm. me, it's really important to move quickly as a startup founder, as a business. And right. often, especially if we've come from a cor- corporate background, my training as an accountant there was really a lot of accuracy and risk management needed in, in the role, which meant that we were forced to move really slowly. And I think when you're running a small business, speed of execution is actually important. And a lot of things, actually, they're fine at 80%. And some things need to be 100%, like the accuracy of a set of financial statements, that needs to be 100% right. But a lot of things, just get it done, get it out there. You can always adjust it later. I've got a friend who's a great example of this. She published a book to get it done. I think she gave herself something like three months to write the book and it wasn't perfect, but she published it. And then she got a whole lot of feedback and was able to iterate and then republish a revised version of that book. But if she hadn't set herself the deadline of the three months, then she probably would never have published it. 
Wow, that's a great point and expressed powerfully because we hear advice regarding avoiding perfectionism. But if you just uh, go out and say, no, we're, we're just going to do it the dumb way and we're going to move really fast. I think this is very relevant advice because these days it's hard to make uh, drastic mistakes. The frameworks are so set. And most of the time when we over-optimize, we end up reinventing the wheel. It's unnecessary extra effort that the person who just keeps on moving and just following the 80-20 will always win versus the perfectionist who's really super educated but hasn't been iterating. Yep. Alrighty. Cool stuff. Thank you very much for your tips, Meryl. Can you uh, share with the audience where they can learn more about you and being ninjas? Yeah, the, the best place to read our content is at beninjas.com, which is B-E-A-N-N-I-N-J-A-S.com. And I'm also quite active on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there. And just mention that you've listened to the podcast and my name there is... Meryl Johnston, and I'll share a link with you, Alan, with my LinkedIn profile. Excellent. All righty. Thanks, Meryl. Thanks for listening to the Remote Work Productivity and Lifestyle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of our upcoming or prior episodes. This show is presented by Remote Compass and worldpodcasts.com.